So in Houston, I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, the 13th day of September. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. It's like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. So what's in it for you? If the FTE promise, if all goes well, your curiosity sparked, new ideas accelerate into action, and you may have helped yourself or someone else solve that problem, make the connection, reaching the opportunity faster. Making authentic connections has never been more important to our business. Thank you to our underwriters for helping transform from the expert vision into action. Endeavor Institute, Unique Ventures, Ecosystems 2030, the Canon Community, and Interpoint. Each expert's in their own fields. Connect with them, and you'll be glad that you did on FTE.network. Folks, help me welcome guest expert Mike Bloxton. Well, Mike is a visionary. He is an entrepreneur, and he is a pioneer building humanity's bridge to space with Nebula Space Enterprises. But how does one actually aspire to, let alone accomplish, such a feat? Well, if you ask Mike, it begins with asking the right questions and finding that true purpose. So today he's going to share his story and how well we can begin to find our own purpose when we ask ourselves the right questions and maybe even the really difficult ones. So Mike, welcome and thanks for joining the show today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I, wanted, I want everyone to jump in with a little, little exercise that somebody did, did for me many, many years ago. If you close your eyes and imagine yourself across the world and just imagine yourself, whatever that may feel like, whatever the weather may be, wherever across the world is for you. And then I want you to take that image, um, put it to the side for a second. Now imagine yourself across your house, you know, just on the other side of the bedroom, on the other side of the house, in another bedroom. In that exercise, it took you literally nothing more to imagine yourself across the room than it did to imagine yourself across the world. And for me, as simple as that was, when someone did that for me many, many, many years ago, it was profound in that there was literally no difference. There was no more energy taken to imagine myself leaps and bounds uh, or imagine myself uh, you know, baby steps away from where I am. Uh, another gift that was given to me um, this is going back almost 15 years now. Someone shared an Einstein quote with me, and it has shaped my entire life. And the, the quote was, uh, the quality of life you live is determined by the quality of questions you ask. And I will stand on Einstein's shoulders and say, that is so true about the life you are creating. Um, personally, I think the quality of life you live today is determined by quality of relationships you have. But the quality of life you're going to live, the quality of life you're creating and that you want to live is determined by the quality of questions you're asking today. Now, Einstein is arguably one of the smartest people, um, uh, humans to ever live. And he had another quote for questions, which I also found the fact that there was another quote on questions um, by this particular person uh, by itself had weight, but then the question itself is good. If I had 60 minutes to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking of the right question to ask. So again, arguably one of the smartest humans to, to ever grace his presence um, in our, our reality says that he'll spend 55 minutes thinking of the right question to ask. 
And if I were to extrapolate that in my experience, if I've asked a crappy question in Google, I lose lots of time. Whereas if you ask a great question in Google, I mean, you get that answer in milliseconds. You go from minutes, hours to, to milliseconds. So questions really do help us shape the future, the life that we're living. Um, you know, someone on a, a different note, if you're always asking why, 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 that usually leads you internal and down. But if you ask how, 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 then you can look up, uh, up and out, uh, which helps for your, your personal emotional state. Now, uh, to, to qualify myself a little bit more, uh, I will say I have crazy audacious uh, goals, very, very big. And, and actually, Diana and I met four years ago, five years ago, and she heard the before, before this company that I have now was a company, before it was even named, um, I had actually had some random conversations with Diana based on her aerospace background. Um, how do I go from, from being someone without any background whatsoever to now having you know, a space company doing really cool stuff and, and having meetings with Space System Command and, and talking about getting on contract and things like that? Um, I, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and Technically, I grew up on the right side of the tracks, but I grew up so close to the tracks, it doesn't actually matter which side you grew up on. Um, my mom was the first person of all of my family and extended family to go to college. Um, I, I graduated high school a year early, ended up going into, got accepted to Drexel University's engineering program, and then dropping out of that before the rest of my friends graduated high school. So I always said I was an overachiever because I was able to do that. And then I jumped into sales and I, I realized that I, I didn't want to be judged based on, you know, grades and things like that. I wanted to be judged based on my merits. So I got into sales and, and finance and telecom finance, and I did really well there. I, I bounced around the country. I ended up, I got this job in the finance thing because I caddied at Pebble Beach. Now, a kid from Philadelphia, never played golf before, goes to Pebble Beach. Um, I end up caddying which is a whole fun story by itself. We caddied for this guy that owned a boutique finance company and uh, he, they wouldn't hire me. I had to apply for a job um, five times. The sixth time they finally hired me as an intern in Connecticut. So I go to Connecticut and I was just taking advantage of, of all the opportunities. And I was fortunate enough to, to make some money and I made some good money and I was accomplishing things that I didn't think I, I was accomplishing the things that society told me I should accomplish, you know, big house, cool, cool car, good money, good job. So at the age of 25, I was a VP of the National Finance Group, making about a quarter million dollars a year. I was living in Culver City at the time. I had my dream car. I actually had the, the car better than my dream car. The dream <laughs> car was a CL500 Mercedes, which in Philly, they don't advertise that. Never saw one. I didn't see it. So I moved out to California. I ended up buying a, a CL55 AMG. And uh, so it was better than my dream car, all of this at 25. And I remember thinking, well, crap, that can't be everything, right? I can't have literally just done all this stuff in like five years. And, and that's what society said I should have done. Um, well, thankfully, the universe had a different plan because that was 2007 and 2008 crashed everything down. Uh, I ended up staying in the telecom finance world and calling some mentors, asking, you know, what should I do? What skills should I learn? And, and they had some suggestions and I went down some different paths. Um, continued to do well enough for myself in that telecom finance world where in 2017, I found myself with enough cash flow and enough capital to take a break, take, take not, a, not a real break, but take a moment to myself. 
And this is kind of how I'm tying this entire talk together with my experience. I sat there and I asked myself, well, now what? Again, I've, I've reached, I kind of got back to where I wanted to be. I had enough cash, cash flow. This time I'm driving my dream car, which was a Tesla. Um, I was recently married. And then I found out my wife is pregnant. So this is the end of, end of uh, 2017. And I'm, I'm taking a moment to think about what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And then I found out my wife is pregnant. So now I'm, I'm thinking about my life as something different, um, something that's bigger than just my life. Because if you look at the story I just shared, I was doing these like sprints. I was doing this thing and this thing. It was like two, three, five-year sprints, all within telecom finance, but it was really just these sprints. None of it was, was meaningful to the world um, at all. It was meaningful to me to accomplish, you know, I, I don't want to say superficial goals, but um, you can call it more physical goals than and emotional goals than they are spiritual goals for sure. And I'm asking myself at this point in 2017, well, what am I going to, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? If I'm going to do something based on my experience, it's got to be big. It's got to be bigger than me. It's got to be, it can't be something, you know, small for another sprint. It's got to be really big. And I was aware of, um, and I think uh, someone has the link to this. I was aware of Singularity University and they had already, Singularity University and then um, the UN had established these two kind of sets of goals for, for humanity. Uh, Singularity had the 12 global grand challenges and they broke it into six societal needs and six resource needs, things like food, water, shelter, but also governance, you know, going to space and things like that, things that were huge for humanity. And then uh, the UN had the 17 sustainable development goals. So between the two of them, I was aware of those in 2017. I was like, well, if I'm going to dedicate my life to something, it should be something close to solving one of these problems, a billion person problem. So let me, let me take a break here and say, in no way that I think I was qualified, in no circumstance that I think that I was the guy that could accomplish these things. In fact, what resonated with me soulfully was space. The next thought in my head was, who the hell am I? Who am I that, that's going to come up with something that Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson didn't already come up with? And I literally crushed myself just in that the same instance I had the thought and the idea and the calling, I crushed myself out of it. It wouldn't go away, thankfully. Uh, it wouldn't go away. And, and a few days later, um, I, I sat back down and I said, all right, well, the space feeling isn't going away. What would I do? What would I dedicate my, my life to? And this kind of goes back to asking, crafting good questions. I wasn't necessarily crafting good questions. I was crafting a good statement. And what I've decided for myself was I will, I'm willing to trade my life. I'm willing to dedicate my life to providing all of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources. I believe that that will infinite resources and all of humanity having access removes 95% of the reason we have conflict here on earth. Um, and there's, there, there's weight to almost every word in, in that statement. So how in the world do you do that? I don't know. I stopped. I stopped thinking about it. I was like, I felt good about that statement. This is late 2017. I was like, all right, I feel good. Let me, let me think about how I could do some things. Now, granted, I still didn't think I could come up with something better than Elon Musk or any of that. So I ended up you know, selling myself short. I started looking at health. I was like, okay, that seems more realistic. Maybe I can get into health. And I started doing some things. I invested some money. I started working on some projects and it just, it just wasn't clicking. I couldn't get things to click. And then my son was born. And again, I, I, asked, I ended up asking myself an, a, a powerful question. So my son was born. He was about a month old. I ended up having this very visceral experience holding him as I'm looking out the back. And it's my, it's my first son. I now have two kids. But 
when I had him, I, I remember thinking, why doesn't he have the future he deserves? And the next thought was, what is the future that I want? What, what would experience would I want to have? And not a lot of people know this, but the experience I want to have is a cruise ship in space. Like I want to be able to have, you know, have that experience with my family, with my son, but I want him to have the future where he can say, Hey, I'm going to go do a, do a, early to mid 2018. And that those questions had me now going down this path of space. And I didn't compare myself to anybody at this point. And I was just very curious and being pulled by this question. Again, you ask Google a question, it's going to pull you down a rabbit hole. If it's a good question, it'll pull you down a cool rabbit hole and pull you up. If it's a bad question, it'll pull you down. So in this experience that I had, I started thinking about, well, you know, how would I, how would I create that experience? How do we do that today? And I just started asking tons of questions and I would reach out to the few people that I knew. And I knew one guy who was in, who was literally in um, HR doing recruiting, but he happened to graduate with an aerospace bachelor degree. So I called him. I said, Hey man, let me ask you some questions. How would you get a cruise ship in space? And this whole thing snowballed. And uh, just before we all joined, I was sharing with John uh, and Ashley that on Friday we had um, an in-person, we were invited in person to sit down with the deputy um, uh, to, to a general who has a $12 billion budget with 60 programs. And it was, yes, 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 yes. How much money do you need? And you know, let's figure out how to get you on contract, which is amazing to go from the guy has no background, no experience, no, no, no real no real reason I should be in space. And yet here we are solving a, a massive problem that'll push humanity uh, further and further into its own future. So it's a little bit, that, that's a bit of a, a monologue and I apologize for that. I wanna take another step back here uh, and really focus on the question. Um, and, and frameworks have always helped me in that those two questions, you know, the quality of life you live is determined by the quality of questions you ask has always been meaningful. But the other problem that I find with that is you can ask too many questions. So, uh, so I wanna do a, another exercise with everyone and give you two more frameworks. The first framework, if you have a piece of paper and you were to draw a circle on it and make it like a wheel uh, and put five, five spokes, just five spokes, it, which is awkward to draw by the way, because everyone, you know, six, strokes, six spokes would be super easy. All right, hang you on. put five spokes on there. Everybody get a piece of paper, come on now. Get your piece of paper and something to draw with. This is a this is a self test, by the way. Um, not if you can draw a circle with five lines, but <laughs> what you'll actually do with that. <clears throat> so then, on each one of those spokes, and this again, you know, no, you don't have to be an artist. On each one of those spokes, you want to put five notches, um, just just five five notches on each of those five spokes. So I'll do I'll do it myself. Let's see if I can. Cover the peace sign. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, five. One, two, three, four, five. It was the model. All right. So here you go. So here's here's my horrendous rendering of what I'm asking you guys to do. So in life, I, in my personal opinion, and I haven't been able to have anyone question me too much more um, to to get any more clarity here. In life, I feel like we have five. You could you could literally fit your entire life into five sections. Um, <clears throat> the 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 one people think of think most about is is finance, which is one, and career, which is two. They are not the same thing. 
how you make money and what you do with your time are not the same thing. So there's finance and career. Then there's your, your kind of the, the physical and emotional well-being. Uh, so, so I usually just call that physical, um, even though it is, or, or maybe you could go mind-body, but then you start getting to the, the another one, which is spiritual, uh, is the fourth one. And then the fifth one is uh, relationships. Personally, I think uh, you know relationships are great. So if you have those five things, finance, career, physical, or, or call it mind-body, spiritual and relationships if you were to look in and assess yourself on your in your life and you ranked on and you put each one of those on a spoke and you put where you feel you are you know the outer rim of five being the absolute best i'm, I'm five all around that would be great one being not good now i don't know anyone that has fives all around but if you if you look at that and give yourself a, uh, an assessment, you can see why your life isn't rolling so smoothly. So if you're a one in relationships and a five in finance and a two in spirituality, that is a very bumpy road um, that you're that you're rolling upon. So that has always helped me kind of do a self assessment of of what what what's what are the areas in which I I need to get more clarity, and this goes back to questions. So then, uh, the second framework I'll give you is is the power of love which sounds crazy cheesy someone called me the love doctor i've been told i puke rainbows um what else have i been I, i've gotten a couple of nicknames but the point is the the weight of the word you ask in the question is critical so a lot of people i mean if any of you are in any relationship or have ever been in a relationship and have asked your significant other what do you want to eat tonight how many of you have spent crazy amount of time talking about what you want to eat tonight? And it's the, the power of the word. If you asked your significant other, and you can do this exercise tonight, what would you love to eat tonight? What would you love to eat tonight? Not what do you want? What do you like? What would you love to eat tonight? If you could have anything in the world, if Tinkerbell came and shit pixied us all over your life, or you had a magic wand, what would you love to eat tonight? you will get a very clear answer. And typically it'll start going into how they, how they would feel about it, what they want to wear. I mean, it gets, gets fun because you're, you're honed in on a one specific experience. If you ask the want like thing, it's just blah, blah, blah. You get way, way too much. It's not a good filter. So between the framework of <clears throat> the, the wheel of life that I just gave you um, and those five, five core areas, and then this, I do call it the Tinkerbell magic wand rule. Um, if you think about that, where you, where you say love, if I had a magic wand, what would I love? And you put those two together, craft a question. What would I love my relationships to be? What would, if I could have anything, what would I want to have and love to have and experience from an emotional, physical level for my body? You know, how would I love to be able to move? And then you can start expanding that and just continue to ask your questions down that path of love and love and love and love. So with those things, I've, I've been able to, I've used all of this stuff for my own personal life, but I've also used it to come up with, with what Nebula Space Enterprise is doing. How in the world can a guy with zero experience even have a, even contemplate a conversation around giving all of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources? And I'm not building rockets. Like that's not a thing I'm doing. There are other significant things that have to be accomplished in order for that vision to be realized. And I don't think it's going to take a few years. I think it's going to take decades for that to be accomplished. I'll be able to accomplish a lot of really cool things um, and, and move the mark and 
when people hear about, you know, the one company that, that I met with SSE about, which is Nebula Compute, people are like, oh my God, that's huge. It's amazing. It's a big opportunity. To me, it's literally the first thing required for humanity to be able to then take the next step and the next step and the next step, ultimately to all of humanity having access to deep space and infinite resources. So uh, I think I'm coming up on time. Yeah, but is there a time check I could have? Yeah, no, you're good. I mean, you've got time for a last few comments. We can go to the group discussion, whichever you prefer. Uh, all right, let me let me kind of round this out. Um, the the other significant thing, and this goes back to asking questions. If you guys have ever been interested in space, if you've ever watched space, there are so many shitty ideas. So many. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Not shitty ideas. Great ideas. Shitty business models. Like terrible business models. This will make no money. I am still, still interested to see how in the world a tourism business uh, will work on its own. Even though tourism by itself is good, there are so many other factors there. Um, it's not a driving force. You know, when I compare where we are in the space frontier to where we were, you know, as, as we started, you know, the, the 49ers, right? In 1848, uh, when gold was discovered, you had all the 49er gold rush, there was significant impetus to get there for self-gain. It wasn't a disconnected interest in just seeing some, having an experience. It was, I want gold to better my life, to better my family, to better my entire lineage, which was a very, very strong driving force. And then you had the support of trains um, and then oil and gas were coming in to, to support that. So we're seeing, again, an equivalent with Starship and Falcon being able to provide the access we're, we're still missing a lot of the impetus. Like what is the real driving force to get us in space? And traditionally in space, it's been earth observation, which is almost all government and telecom. And telecom is now, again, you're seeing with Starlink is the business model that, that SpaceX is banking on to give them the money they need to do the things they want to do, which is the Mars stuff. So that is all about questions, all about questions, getting a solid business model. Uh, one area that I am so passionate about is People that can think the way that we're speaking about right now and, and we'll, we'll discuss, I believe have an obligation to do something about it. Nobody, the humanity doesn't need another fucking app. And I'm cursing for emphasis. We don't need another app. We don't need another financial derivative. We need people doing really, really hard things to move humanity forward. You know, I talk about space and then you have this, this intimate relationship with climate and environment happening with space today. You're seeing that un unfold. Um, specifically on the tourism side of things, uh, there's, there's, it's hard to measure the climate impact or, or, or discount the climate impact when you're literally just taking a, a joyride. If you're taking you know, a ride to deliver some capability that will remove something further down the line, you can make that argument. Uh, so there's a lot of questions that, that we need to ask ourselves, and they need to be bigger, better questions. We don't necessarily need to ask ourselves, well, how do I make an extra 10 grand? How do you make an extra 100,000? How, how do I better my life? And you don't just ask that incremental question. You have to first start with, what would I love? What would I love? And let that pull you and guide you. It's the best filter you will ever have. So with again, that, Mike, thank yeah. you very much. And, and I think that's a great springboard to you know, open it up to the rest of the group. Talk a little bit about uh, you know, their process and discovering purpose. Uh, maybe ask some questions of Mike from what you've heard. Um, you know, what are y'all's best questions? How have you worked within yourself and what, what's worked and what hasn't? 
Lumay, could you kind of share what your thought process or where you've gone on that? Yes, first, uh, thank you, Michael. That was a really, really good uh, opening for this discussion. I, I have to say that I went through a kind of similar, uh, I was say a visualization exercise that is kind of shocking and sometimes I use with a, you know, not with for everybody, but it's a really good visualization is that they made you to visualize a funeral and in the middle of the visualization, they tell you that it's your funeral. So you have to talk about, so you have to think about four people, five people that are gonna be talking, you know, one is person for your family. What do you want other people for your family say about your life and what your purpose was and what you achieved? One is from your French circle, one is for your career, a professional development, and one is for your community and social services that you did, and one is from your religion or spirituality circle. So there are five people that are supposed to talk and tell you uh, what you're supposed to be listening at that. And it was a powerful exercise I did because changing many things myself because it's like making this circle that you're asking us and figure out which one were the area that I was not doing enough to having somebody to go to my funeral and talk about it. And uh, since there, you know, I keep off redoing that exercise one in a while to be sure that I don't lose the purpose of my life or at least I don't love whatever I, um, you know, want to achieve for the different uh, environment when I actually interact and I want to have some uh, memory of that. Thanks for nice. sharing that, Lumay. Anybody else, Bernardo? What What's your take on what you've heard and how do you get out these questions that help you find uh, something meaningful that you call your purpose? Well, I think um, it's always important to have a mission, a purpose. And, and you were mentioning whenever you're, you're, you first find out that you, uh, your wife was pregnant and that actually started to a process, an evaluating, uh, evaluation process eternally. And it's a loop that we all go into all the time. And I think it's important to know where you stand uh, before you know where you want to go. But um, I mean, this is something that um, I'm doing all the time, consciously and unconsciously. And I need to sometimes remember, okay, so settle down because it's, it's easy to forget what you're doing or, or what you want to achieve because of the everyday things, everyday struggles that you have. Um, especially dealing with a family. I have three small kids and it's very easy to get distracted. Uh, so it's important to have something to, to have a, as, as a root. And these questions, and this questioning of yourself and what you want to accomplish is, I mean, it's, it's a nice reminder for me in which I, like I said, I always need to, to be on that constant loop. So, um, uh, you also mentioned that uh, the most important questions that you had uh, that you were dealing with is, is the how. Uh, obviously, that's how you get there. But you started with the why, and then with the what. Mm -hmm. And I think you you kind of just touched upon that. But I, I think for a mission, it's the why why you want it. And I think 
your family is, is probably the what what ignited the flame in that regard. So it, it might be wrong, but uh, I think it's important to start there. I think. Correct. I would. You are. You are correct. Uh, Lemay, I, I do want to comment. Um, what a sobering way to think about your death to then, you know, ex ex excel your life. Um, and then Bernardo, you're you're absolutely correct. The first thing I did that statement, that purpose statement, is the is the why, right? What am I going to do? What am I <clears throat> What am I willing to trade my life for? And I think I think that's become an easier thing for me because I've been practicing this whole, what would I love? What would I love? What would I love thing? So I could sit down in a few days and, and identify that because I spent the decade before, you know, kind of steering my life that way. So you're, you're absolutely correct. You, there's a um, Ray Kurzweil, big author. Um, he met him a couple of times and he talks about, you know, looking, looking from the future back and getting into the state by which you're, you've already accomplished all these things and then turning around and looking back, he actually wrote a book about it, um, which I didn't actually read. I only, only read the summary of it uh, and talked to him about it. Um, so you're 100% correct. And that's, that's really what the beginning of it, what, what am I going to dedicate my life to? And that had a lot of emotion to it. And it was the clarity of that purpose. And then once I had that, to your point, it was the spark from my family that had ignited, this is why I'm going to now dedicate my life to that. That's what I wanted to do. But notice I didn't do shit between identifying that and actually having my son. It was when I had my son that there's that energy that that flamed up within me to then go accomplish it. And I think Bernardo, you've got three kids. I've got a, I've got a young, very young seven, uh, seven month old and a, and a four year old. And every day I think about, you know, that that they keep pulling fuel, pouring fuel on my fire to continue to do what I do. Uh, so yeah, so very good catch. I appreciate the, the clarification. Mm -hmm. And another question: How do you remove, or how do you yeah remove all the nonsense, all the noise? How you filter through all that? Because I th I think that's what uh, many of us struggle with sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's again I. Um, I, I am blessed beyond belief in that it, it's, it's rather, it, it's it, not it. And it's the love. Would you love, would you love it? Does it support the love thing? I would love, I'd be, I'm again, I'm willing to trade my life to create this future for my son. I will, I, that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And it's either it or not it. And it's pretty simple. Does, is, does this support that? Or does this not support that? Now, so I have I say all this, and, and again, I'm I'm human. I haven't yet accomplished this. Let's be be clear here. I'm on the path to accomplishing this, um, and I also have a real estate business, which allowed me to think this way. It gave me the life that I love. I live in beautiful home in San Diego, and I drive you know Teslas, and life is great. That I was afforded that not because I have a space startup. Don't start a space startup to make a ton of money because you will make money. Typically, it's I. Um, my co-founder hates when I say this, but I feel like it's a binary thing. It's either you're going to make no money or you're going to make a ton of money. Uh, and we're in that very early stage where we're, we're on the path to make a ton of money, but not yet. So I, so with all that being said, you know, there's, you know, one of the things I had to deal with just before getting on this call, five minutes before getting on this call is something to do with the real estate side of things. And that is supportive of me being able to, to think and keep my mental space good. So I don't think I would have been able to accomplish all that I've done already with, with Nebula 
if I, if I was cluttered in headspace of how am I going to make my rent next month? How am I going to pay for food next month? I don't think I would have been able to do that. Um, and I wouldn't encourage anybody to do that because I have done that before in my life where it's like, I'm going to take a big swing and you end up soiling all the things you're working on because you're taking this energy into it and you're taking all the noise of everything else into it. So uh, if you can align making money and career really well, that's great. But even today, as you heard, what I want to do with my life and what I'm doing for money are two separate things. Um, and eventually they'll overlap. But right now they're not. I liked what you also said that matches well with that is that you're also obliged to give back in different ways. I think that some people just, you know, they are struggling to make it. Uh, but then there are others that are fortunate enough to um, have whatever they have and are able to go for the big goals, they're able to do the big things, they're able to, you know, but it, you know, they can also find ways to give back. And I think that's important uh, as we go on our pathways forward. So Diana, uh, would you mind kind of sharing what your take is on what you've heard today? Hello, well, thanks for having the event and Michael, great to see you again. You too. I have, I have to say, I have not been as aspirational as those of us on the call. My sense of purpose, I've often grasped for when I'm within a divine role and to make that divine role meaningful for me. Mm. Um, and in some way it helps influence what roles I go after and how I, but it's more about how I craft the role around my sense of purpose and what's important to me. I had a question for, for Michael, and I don't know if you'll recall this and if it's important to you, but it's something that I've really kept with me since our conversation many years ago, moons ago. And at the time you were talking about that sense of being, if you were to want to achieve something new, it was, there was a impetus around needing to be that person and appreciating that you are that person already and then you go make that happen so it's not and I'm curious about because that's something I've reflected upon often how that has mindset helped you if it did get through the initial phase and that transition into your your current um, startup and work that you're doing and how that resonates with what you were talking about earlier with that power of love and the how being the up and out way of achieving things um, is there I can't connect them um, yeah, no, I, I can it. you connect it for me yeah so so it's the be do have um, so you need to a lot of people think statistically lottery winners um, end up be going into more debt after they've won the lottery than they were before, because who they were as a person, they, you know, they had a, a bad mental state and that mental state didn't change just because you added money into the situation didn't mean they were better at handling money. Um, so they ended up statistically getting, getting worse off. And the society thinks that when I, when I, everyone's victim of this, especially myself, um, uh, there was a point in which I can, once I have that thing, I'll be able to do this stuff and I'll be that person. You know, once I have a million dollars, I'll be able to 
to fly around and I'll be this happy person, right? And that, that's kind of how society has taught it. And to me, it's the exact opposite. Uh, you, need to, you need to be the person that, that can, can have the money, that can handle the, the pressure, that can handle the job. But to Diana's point, you know, she, needs to, she needs to be the leader that can handle the people that she's managing for what she's doing. And then once, once she's that person, she gets promoted. And then she's able to handle that. You know, uh, if you go to a, a re, I guess a, re, a religious or spiritual, um, you know, God doesn't qual- doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. So you need to first and in, internally be the person that you want to be. So that's step one. Step two is imposter syndrome, which I dealt with for a while, specifically with Diana. You know, talking to three-star generals and lieutenant colonels and colonels and and them listening to me, I was like, holy shit, they actually think what I'm saying is cool. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was like, there was, you know, the first year or two of this um, until, until I brought my co-founder in, you know, and my co-founder, right? Everybody, my executive team, yeah, my co-founder built some of the largest data centers for IBM um, in Europe, multi-billion dollar data centers. He then was with a Fortune 50 company, took a division, their cloud computing division from 10 million a year in revenue to six years later, a billion in revenue. Like that's unbelievable. My CFO was a CFO to Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos directly for seven years. Before that, she managed 35 funds across five continents for Boeing. Um, my, my CTO has managed a $2 billion um, compute project in space. Uh, it was really a physics experiment. And he's flown multiple pieces of hardware. And all these people look to me as the CEO, you know, and, and I get this bit of imposter syndrome. And they assure me that I, you know, they, 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 my decisions have weights and, and my thoughts have weight. So I've become the person that I wanted to become. So then I start dealing with this, like, oh my God, are these people really listening to me? So um, Diana, I definitely remember the be do have, you need to be the person before you can do those things and have that experience um, or that thing that you want. Um, and I think parents are, are this and you you don't, you don't really know, my experience is you, you never know what being a parent is like until you're a parent. Um, so there's not, there's not the ability to go to the B place first, but, if, but think about where I am with space. I couldn't get to the B place really first, but I had to do the things that make me be that person. And I had to think that way. I had to put that on and I had to, had to go to meetings and I had to go to presentations as the CEO of this space company which I was just starting and didn't even have a name at, at some time. So you need to kind of get it internally. So then you can attract those things. Um, you could, I, I guess if I were to make an analogy to this, it would be Einstein's theory of relativity when he talks about mass and gravity. If you're being the person, um, again, to take Diana as an example, being a leader um, of people and a manager in, in aerospace, you are, you are, learning something new, you're reading a new book, you're getting a new certificate, you're getting a new skill, you are adding mass to who you are as a person. And that that mass, that gravity is the being part of it. So once you have that, then you're going to start seeing the opportunities to have, you know, to do these other things, to become a manager, and then have the experience of leading people and things like that. Thanks, Michael. And thanks, uh, Diana. Um, Matt, did you have anything you felt like contributing based on what you've heard? Get the mute button right. Yes, absolutely. Good, good stuff. And Michael, great to meet you. 
over Zoom. I, well, first of all, I think I'm in the perfect mindset to win the lottery. So um, I'm going to go buy that ticket and, and make that happen. That will be fantastic. Got lots of ideas of what I would do with it, many of them philanthropic. Um, you know, my journey has been interesting. I, I followed a very traditional pathway out of college and got an engineering degree from a top school, joined one of the big oil companies in the world, roamed around the globe with them, did a lot of good engineering stuff and worked my way up and down the value chain of that industry. And, and it took me 25 years to realize that that wasn't really where I belonged. I, I got lucky in a way I, I ended up in corporate venture capital managed to springboard out into a, a smaller business, got into growth stage and startup companies. And that certainly felt like home, but it took me another 10 years of doing that and running three of them to realize that what I enjoy doing is helping other people grow their businesses more than I enjoy running the business myself. And the glamour we associate with being the CEO, you know, the top of the totem pole, tip of the spear, whatever you like to call it, is great until you do it for a while. Um, and then you realize that working for investors sucks. And it takes a very special kind of person to to spend half their life managing investors and and then a third of their life managing the schoolyard and only a tiny amount of their life actually building a business. And so so I stepped out. I stepped out in 2019 and and turned my side hustle of helping other businesses formulate strategy and grow into my full-time business and and I'm loving life. I mean it's you know I've got, I've moved up several of those axes on your on your five-pointed uh five segment uh, model as a result. Two, two comments on what you're talking about. You're just talking about imposter syndrome and I scribbled a note here on my little whiteboard of, I think there's a very interesting paradox between as you mature, I'll call it that, and you gain experience, you become more knowledgeable. But I think you also, I at least learn to, to become more curious. It's almost like the more you know, the less you know. And so I think you end up in this paradox between, I know I know a lot of stuff. And so I'd like to share that with the world, but I realize increasingly how little I know. And I think imposter syndrome creeps in very easily when you go, wait a second, you know, there's no way I know more than a tiny fraction of what there is to know here. So who am I to tell anybody anything? So I just think that's an interesting aside. The point that I really wanted to, to mention and, and ask your thoughts on is I coach companies um, on, on trying to you know, build their go-to-market strategies. And we focus a lot on purpose and mission and vision as foundations for that, anchor points for that. And what I'm running into a lot more now than I ever remember running into in the past is short-termism. And people having a really hard time getting away from the uncertainty of the immediate. It's like, I don't know where we're going to be in three months' time or six months' time. So don't talk to me about three years and five years. And That how how are you experiencing that with the people, the stakeholders you try to engage? And I have one other small comment on it before I throw it back to you is I've also been involved with the Deep Technology Institute at Imperial College, which is my alma mater. And, and so they're specifically putting an institute together around how to try to better commercialize really game-changing, I mean, big problem-solving ideas coming out of academia and how to get them into industry. And they seem to be running into the same thing, getting anybody but pure philanthropic, pure philanthropists to invest in that is very difficult. Um, and, and again, identifying this sort of short-term mentality, we have to fix things now, there's a catastrophe now, so we must act now. And so investing in anything that's gonna take 10 years is difficult. How do you, how do you feel about that? I appreciate your experience, Matt. Um, my hair was not this white when I started this year. Yeah, we're gonna start to show through everywhere. John's ahead of us. Uh, we have we have a um, 
you know, we, we live in this dichotomy where, especially as a CEO, you need to be constantly looking ahead of where you're going. At the same exact time, you need to constantly be looking at your feet at every single step. It's like, you can't actually do both, but you have to, you have to figure out this paradox. Um, for me, I, again, I made the comment that if you can think this way, I believe you have an obligation to do this because I don't find that most people can think this way. Um, I challenge, you know, the friends that I have, uh, I have one friend of mine who's doing some amazing things and he had a 700 year plan. I was like, oh my God, you're my best friend. Let's talk. Um, so that was, that was obviously rare. He's literally the only person I've ever met that had that. Um, then he and I kind of go back and forth and, and, and figure out parts of our plan that we could support each other with. Um, I don't find that a lot of people can do it. And I, I do feel it is a select few. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot going into that. There was, there was some study I read that back in the, um, I think in the 30s and 40s, the ability to imagine yourself, um, think about it from an empathy perspective, imagine yourself walking down the street going to get this. And you're, you're talking to a farmer at the time. They're like, well, why am I walking down the street? No, 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 just imagine, just put yourself in the shoes. Yeah, but why would I do that? And they, they couldn't get to the point where they even had the mental um, um, faculty to be able to imagine those types of things. So, so those are real, that exists in the world. And then you have kind of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs where some people are so focused on just being able to, to make ends meet that it's hard for them to give up. But Matt, to your point, it's, it's the, to me, it's always been the best filter if I work from the end in. You know, my driving force for me when I was 18 is, as I knew, I left, I left my, my home and I had, this is a fun anecdotal story. I convinced a buddy of mine, who's still one of my really good friends, we're buying a property together now. Um, he and I had $300 between the two of us. We packed up the Volkswagen and we're like, let's just go to California from Philadelphia. And I thought about this and convinced him within seven days. And we thought about it and went in seven days and we were gone. And it changed both of our lives forever. Um, not many people can do something like that and, and take that swing. Um, so, so when I find those few people like you that are thinking about this, it's like you really need to gravitate to those people. The filter of, of uh, bringing all of humanity to access to deep, deep space and infinite uh, resources, that, you know, there's a, there's a space station in there. I mean, there is, you know, orbital space station, there's, there's mining, there's a whole lot of things that have to be accomplished. What we're focused on right now are, um, is getting basically data centers in space. And we've got our, our demo going up next year. And now our conversations with SSC or you're doing that next year. We didn't think this was even possible till 2026, right? So now we're having these budgeting alignment issues. And then we have a, a blockchain company and a cybersecurity company that are building on top of that capability from space as well. <clears throat> so it was, I, I, again, I, I think the only possibility is having them sit down and ask the better questions. Um, and, and to Bernardo's point, I glossed over it, uh, which is completely my fault. The first thing I did was identify that why. It's like that, that statement. What you're trying to do is like smash these guys' heads together or, or gals' heads together. Like, well, why are you doing all this? If you can't think three months from now, then just quit. Like, if that's what you're doing it for, then just quit. Then don't do it. Don't, don't put yourself through that. It's not worth it if you're not doing it for something much further. And then you have them kind of take themselves out. And the other, if from, from your perspective, Matt, if I have friends that I'm, I'm with that are trying to do this, I will have them sit down and, and literally write out that one day in the future. What does it smell like? What does it taste like? You know, when you wake up to when you go to sleep, give me everything with as many adjectives as you can. And I cover that whole, the, 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 the wheel uh, that I gave you. Each side, who are you meeting with? What are you doing? How are you making money? What, how does that work? And I have them 
live that experience in their imagination, which connects them to it in a different way that, and I don't do this with, I don't really do this at all, but only a few people that ask, um, that has helped tremendously. Those people have, are continuing down the path and, you know, they're, they're trying to do big things. So it's a struggle all the time, but they're at least executing, which is great. Well, Mike, thank you very much. That's going to be the last word for this conversation. Uh, so thank you very much. So folks, how was the discussion and the talk today? Please take that 30 seconds. I just dropped the link and fill out the survey. Uh, of course, we get better when you do that and we're growing super fast because you keep sharing from the experts with others, other leaders that you wanna network with, connect with, do business with. So take time too to check out our on-demand library and expert content that's available on video and podcast. Today's post-show notes with everybody's contact info will be sent out a little bit later this afternoon. It'll also have the resources uh, that were dropped in uh, the, uh, the box. Next up on FTE, September 20th, that's in one week, FTE and the Endeavor Institute launch the Energy Transition Channel with ESG and Energy Transition Strategist Nick Welch. He shares how he helps leaders in the energy industry think about, position, and navigate through the energy transition. October 4th, a couple of weeks later, Ben's distinguished fellow and former Assistant Secretary of the Navy, Jim Hondo Gertz, leads a discussion on innovating to win, forging our future industrial network. Mike, we were talking about that. I think that's one that I hope you guys won't miss. So learn more and register on our website at fte.network. Folks, we're out of time. I want to thank each of you for sharing. This was a little different than some of the shows. I think it was extremely fruitful for everybody that was here. I'm grateful for your time. Uh, thank you for connecting and learning on From the Experts. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.